Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. By the way... While this coronavirus is going on, while impeachment was going on and so forth, I want you to know that the Republicans in the Senate are up to no good. They are spending crazy. And they are lobbying the president, led by Lindsey Graham, to significantly increase legal immigration beyond current standards. Just so you know. Just so you know. And they are going to fund this massive bill pushed by Lisa Murkowski of Alaska that hands out millions and millions of dollars like lollipops and grants and contracts to various special interests pushing wind power, sun power, all the rest of it. There's no bipartisan vote. Forget about bipartisan. There's no Republican effort to vote against funding sanctuary cities. It's not even proposed. So I just want you to know the the Republicans in the Senate, to some extent in the House, but absolutely in the Senate, are lurching left. You want to know why we have over a trillion dollar annual deficit? You can thank Mitch McConnell and the Republicans. And to some extent, the House Republicans. All this is going on under the radar. They have gone nuts. They have surrendered fiscal conservatism completely and utterly. They're back to their old ways on immigration. And if you want to read more about this, go to Conservative Review. Daniel Horowitz is almost a lone voice on this. One of the great young minds of liberty, for liberty. He's ringing the bell, banging the pots and pans, if anybody will listen. But the Senate, the Republicans are out of control, absolutely out of control right now. This coronavirus in China... (laughs) I want to tell you a little story. We talked about this gentleman not that long ago, but I I don't want us to forget him. I don't want us to forget Chen Kishi. As written at the Federalist by Helen Raleigh, speaking truth in communist China always carries tremendous personal risks. The coronavirus outbreak has given Beijing a new tool to suppress truth-tellers. Family and friends of Chen Kishi, a Chinese citizen journalist, 
believe Beijing put Chen into a medical quarantine camp against his will. In other words, to kill him. Against his will, due to his real-time reporting of the coronavirus outbreak in Wuhan, even though he appeared to be healthy. Chen, a former lawyer, was once based in Beijing as a young man with a strong sense of right versus wrong and a belief in independent thinking and honesty. He took up the hobby of shooting videos with political commentary. Chen rose to fame after winning second place in a televised public speaking competition in 2014. Some images show Chen, who was 28 at the time, looking like a bookish high school student. With dark glasses and a man bun, he quickly gathered close to 750,000 followers on Weibo, a Twitter-like platform in China. Like many Chinese citizens, he tried to stay away from politically sensitive subjects in his videos to stay out of trouble. Everything changed last August. After, he went to Hong Kong on a tourist visa to witness the protests. He made it clear no one had sent him nor invited him. He went purely out of curiosity because he didn't believe the mainland media's one-sided condemnation of Hong Kong protesters. Chen uploaded several videos of the protests to his Weibo account and told an interviewer from The American Life an American radio show that he painstakingly avoided taking sides and never criticized Beijing and never offered any public support of the protesters. He said his goal instead was simply to report objectively what I saw and what I learned in the city. He did say in his videos that the majority of protesters he met were very peaceful, not rioters. Chen's stay in Hong Kong was cut short. In his last Hong Kong recording, he explained that since his videos of the protests were uploaded and shared. He received non-stop phone calls from his lawyers association, China's Department of Public Security, and Beijing police. They all pressured him to stop what he was doing and return to mainland immediately. Chen flashed his lawyer's license in this video because it may not be mine anymore after I return, he said. If you watch Levin TV, you've seen this. He further explained, I studied for three years for this toy, his lawyer license. If you ask me whether destroying three years of hard work in three days was worth it, I would say, of course not. But there's nothing that I can do. I am who I am. I alone bear the consequences of my actions. Well, the consequences were severe. He did lose his lawyer's license. His Chinese social media accounts were deleted. And Chen disappeared for one month from public eye. Since coming back from Hong Kong, he said, I've been taken to meetings with officials from many departments. He said in a video he posted October 2. Chen was asked to give a detailed account of his trip to Hong Kong, was questioned, recorded, and criticized and educated. According to him, public security officials and police officials switched their interrogation tactics between intimidation and paternalistic persuasion. And his parents were harassed too. Since Chen is an only child, his mom got so scared, she traveled all the way from her hometown to Beijing to keep an eye on him so he wouldn't get in trouble again. Chen didn't push his overly protective mother away, but didn't give up on his activism either. 
He managed to bypass China's internet firewall and established his own YouTube channel, saying in one video, in a mature country, the problem is not that there are people talking about sensitive topics. The problem is the, extent, the existence of such sensitive topics. Chen believes the only way to change that is to keep talking about these issues. I want to stop here for a moment. You listen to our press talk about how the president's out to get them and this, that, and the rest. This is a real-world situation where this citizen journalist, this citizen journalist you'll hear, has to fight to report. This is why you need a free press, a real free press. This January, a little more than a month ago, when Chen heard about the coronavirus outbreak in Wuhan and that the city would be under lockdown, he jumped on the last train from Beijing to Wuhan while other people were desperately trying to leave the city. He explained his motive for rushing into danger this way. I will use my camera to witness and document what is really happening under Wuhan's efforts to contain the outbreak. And I'm willing to help spread the voice of Wuhan people to the outside world. While I'm here, I promise I won't start or spread rumors. I won't create fear or panic, nor would I cover up the truth. True to his words, he went to hospitals, mortuaries, and the construction site of a quarantine center, interviewing families of coronavirus patients. Since Chinese state-owned media have to follow the government line and focus the reporting on government efforts. Chen's unfiltered short videos let people around the world bypass the propaganda to see what's really going on in Wuhan. Crowded hospitals, desperate patients, death, body bags. His interview gave ordinary Wuhanese a platform to share their sorrows and anguish and cry for help. Chen initially appeared as his normal self, energetic, confident, and passionate. Gradually, the people's desperation and agony took a toll on him. In his later videos, he was no longer calm and collected. He seemed nervous, agitated, and despairing. In one video, he admitted he was scared because, quote, I have the virus in front of me and behind me, China's law enforcement, unquote. He was wearing a white tank top and bedsheet, his image as haunting as his words. He vowed to fight on, but he knew his time was up. He knew his time was up. On February 6th, Chen's mother posted a video saying his parents had not heard from Chen and asking for help finding him. A day, la- a day later, a friend disclosed that Chinese authorities told Chen's family and friends that Chen had been forcibly put into a quarantine camp, but refused to say when and where. The friends and family remembered that Chen looked healthy before his disappearance. Two days later, another citizen journalist and Wuhan resident, Fang Bin, who had also taken videos in Wuhan and shared them on YouTube. He disappeared too. Many suspect Chen and Fang were targeted because of their work. Chen is now on one Free Press Coalition's March 2020 list of the 10 most urgent cases of injustice against journalists. His friend maintains his Twitter account and has started a White House petition calling for China to release Chen and Fang because based on the Chinese government's notoriety, he says, Local officials may claim them as dead from the virus. It's ironic that Chinese people have to appeal to the American government to seek justice for their fellow citizens. The coronavirus has infected more than 95,000 people and killed more than 3,200 people worldwide, mostly in China. China's economy is suffering. China's international reputation is damaged. 
Now, the number of infected and the death toll around the world are rising, too. If the Chinese government truly wants to repair the damage to its economy and reputation and act like a responsible member of the international community, it must encourage transparency and protect rather than suppress concerned citizens like Chen and Fang. Chen and Fang are missing. They're missing. Now, I have not seen many stories about Chen and Fang on cable TV, any cable TV news programs. I have not seen the American press associations and committees issue statements condemning condemning what's taken place with Chen and Fang. I've seen nothing on major newspaper editorial pages. Perhaps there's been something, but certainly nothing that's consistent and notorious. Nothing on TV, nothing in the major press. And here we have a truly genocidal regime brutalizing, brutalizing individuals who are conducting themselves as real journalists. Nothing from CNN, nothing from MSNBC, nothing from NBC, ABC or CBS. Some of you might say, well, what about Fox? Well, I'm with Fox, so you've heard it from me. But generally, the newsrooms across the country have ignored Chen and Fang and what China is doing. Too many Democrats are in bed with the Chinese regime. Dianne Feinstein, Bloomberg, Thomas Friedman, multiple Pulitzer Prize winner for the New York Times. And the New York Times has a habit of promoting genocidal mass murders like Stalin in 32 and 33, and a habit of covering up mass murder, including the Holocaust. And unfortunately, other press operations follow the New York Times. Where's Maggie Haberman? Where's Philip Bump? Where are these people? They're nowhere. Meanwhile, Chen Kishu and the other journalists, Fang, are missing. Because they're either dead or they're being killed. That's why. And these American news outlets would rather trash the president and the vice president who are doing a hell of a job trying to protect the American people. If I didn't tell you this story on mass media, nobody would. And I want to thank Helen Raleigh and the Federalist. I've talked about this gentleman on Levin TV. But now it's time to take it throughout the nation. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. I've been talking a lot about the four pillars or purposes of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. We focus quite a bit on the first pillar of learning. But what about character? 
Learning the right things to the point where you truly know them is a rigorous business. It isn't possible without strong character. Hillsdale's great president, Larry Arn, and his outstanding faculty at Hillsdale know that intellectual virtue is meaningless without moral virtue, that having knowledge doesn't mean much if you don't use what you know to serve the good, however possible. And here's an outstanding fact. Every entering freshman at Hillsdale signs an honor code that reads as follows. A Hillsdale college student is honorable in conduct, honest in word and deed, dutiful in study and service, and respectful of the rights of others. Through education, the student rises to self-government. Now, to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. I never thought I'd say this. I never thought I'd say this. With the coronavirus, Mr. Producer? Maybe the Muslims with the burqas are onto something. Head to toe. Only the eyes. Seems to me that would protect you from almost anything. But I could be wrong. I'll be right back. I've been talking a lot about the four pillars or purposes of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. We focus quite a bit on the first pillar of learning. But what about character? Learning the right things to the point where you truly know them is a rigorous business. It isn't possible without strong character. Hillsdale's great president, Larry Arn, and his outstanding faculty at Hillsdale know that intellectual virtue is meaningless without moral virtue. That having knowledge doesn't mean much if you don't use what you know to serve the good, however possible. And here's an outstanding fact. Every entering freshman at Hillsdale signs an honor code that reads as follows. A Hillsdale college student is honorable in conduct, honest in word and deed, dutiful in study and service, and respectful of the rights of others. Through education, the student rises to self-government. Now, to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. America's most powerful conservative voice, The Mark Levin Show. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. Well, I'm sure you've heard this endlessly today. Brian Williams and Mara Gay. Nobody heard of Mara Gay before, but now she's infamous. She's on the New York Slimes editorial board, so she must be really, really smart, wouldn't you say? And there's Brian Williams, who once worked at NBC. He was demoted to MSLSD. Because he would report on completely made-up things, much like the putative Democrat potential nominee for president, Joe Biden. Just make things up. Just make them up. But some of you may not have heard this because you have a life, you're working, maybe you're driving home right now. What's he talking about? All right. Brian Williams and Mara Gay. Mara Gay of the New York Times Editorial Bay. Uh, board and, of course, Brian Williams of MSLSD. Hat tip newsbusters, cut one, go. Somebody tweeted recently that um, actually with the money he spent, he could have given every American a million dollars. got it. Let's put it up yeah. on the screen. Now, let's stop here. They're talking about Bloomberg. With the money he spent, like half a billion dollars, 
He could have given every American a million dollars. Fascinating. Go ahead. It, uh, tonight on social media, it kind of all became clear. Bloomberg spent $500 million on ads. U.S. population, $327 million. Uh, don't tell us if you're ahead of us on the math. He could have oh, wait, given wait, wait. Eight- Don't tell us if you're ahead of us on the math. Gets even worse. He could have given each American, go ahead. One million dollars and have had lunch money left over. It's an incredible way of putting it. It's an incredible way of putting it. It's true. It's disturbing. It does. It does suggest, you know, what we're talking about here, which is there, there's too much money in politics. Now, too much money in politics. Not enough IQ, if you ask me, in the newsrooms of America. Well, obviously, those of you who took third grade arithmetic know how ridiculous this is. It's a dollar fifty-three. A dollar fifty-three per American, not a mil- over a million dollars an American. Three hundred and twenty-seven million Americans, five hundred million dollars. But this basic math is very difficult for the newsrooms of America. Because you can be an idiot and be a journalist, whether at the New York Slimes or Comcast's MSNBC. You expect these people to, to know the Constitution and understand it? Do you expect these people to be concerned about deficits and debts? No, of course not. They don't even understand basic stuff. Now, what's amazing about this is they had time to think about it. He had a graphic. Brian Williams had a graphic. So people put together a graphic. They didn't realize it either. The production staff didn't realize it either. They had hours and hours to sort through this. But they couldn't. Because they don't know basic math. Just like they don't know basic facts about the Constitution. It's embarrassing. They've since corrected it. (laughs) Good idea. By the way, the president was at a town hall at Fox last evening during the course of this program. And among other things, he apparently said that, you know, we're going to have to cut entitlements. And the Democrats... Freaked out. Well, they always freak out, but you know what I mean. So we're going to use this during the campaign. So I thought to myself, cut entitlements. Now, you seniors out there on Social Security and Medicare, cutting entitlements doesn't necessarily mean cutting that which current recipients or soon-to-be recipients are receiving. You're going to be utterly unaffected by whatever the president does. But the Democrats will want to scare you anyway. But they should scare you. This is the same party that took almost a trillion dollars out of Medicare, which according to its own trustees is eight years left to live. Took almost a trillion dollars out of Medicare to fund something called Obamacare. No, but they're, they're there to protect Medicare. The same party that has celebrated a man by the name of Bernie the Red Sanders who wants to eliminate Medicare and force everybody onto some kind of government-run system 
some kind of government-run system. Interesting. So there'd be no Medicare and no private care. So 180 million Americans, union, non-union, young, old, middle-aged, who are on private health care, you'll lose your private health care. So that's Bernie Sanders' proposal, and a very popular among Democrats. Joe Biden says, no, 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 I don't, that's not me. I, I just believe anyone who wants to go on Medicare should go on Medicare. Now think about that. You individuals who are on Medicare and have paid for it your entire lives. Anybody who wants to go on Medicare can go on Medicare. Well, they haven't paid into Medicare. How can they go into Medicare? So that'll kill Medicare. And then on top of that, Joe Biden believes, as does Sanders, that illegal aliens should get government-run health care. So I assume illegal aliens will be able to choose if they want to go on Medicare, too. So everybody will be on Medicare. So that'll kill Medicare as a practical matter. So Joe Biden wants to kill Medicare, but just differently. Bernie Sanders wants to kill Medicare flat out. And they're not concerned about fiscal issues. Quite the contrary. They're not concerned about giving people choice, except, of course, when it comes to abortion. Abortion. Choice, 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 choice. When it comes to health care, no choice, no choice, no choice, no choice. You figure it out. You figure it out. So if they want to run on entitlements, I think the president would be more than happy to run on entitlements. And expose them for what they are. Frauds. Who would destroy all these programs. All these proposals that come up to deal with Social Security and Medicare are intended to save them. For future generations. They all grandfather in current recipients are people who are 55 and older. But you're reaching a point where you can't even do that. And the problem is, Brian Williams and Mara Gay. Two Democrats dressed up as journalists, but Democrats who are dressed up as Democrats, their math is no better. Hey! Hey! Bloomberg, Mike, could have given a million dollars to every citizen with enough left over for lunch! You idiot. That's their math. It gets only worse when you go down the feeding chain of journalism. I mean, you've got Fredo Cuomo, Donnie Lemon, Jake Taptow. I mean, it gets worse and worse and worse. Not better, that's for sure. President of the United States. You know, the President of the United States is more available to the press than any past president in history. They just don't like the setup, you see, where they can be drama queens like Jim Acosta and so forth. But they have more access to him than they've had any president. They just don't like the way he does it. And they said to the president at this town hall Fox had last night, I mean, who would you rather run against? Bernie Sanders or Joe Biden? And by the way, as you know, I love the president. But he's kind of lucky, I have to say, because can you think of two more preposterous Democrat potential nominees for president than a Marxist and a moron? Seriously. Cut two, go. 
I was all set for Bernie because I thought it was going to happen. You know, we get ready for things, right? So mentally, I'm all set for Bernie. Communist, I had everything down. He's a communist. I was all set. And then we have this crazy thing that happened, right? On Tuesday, which he thought was Thursday. (laughs) But he also said 150 million people were killed with guns and he was running for the United States Senate. Support me, I'm running for the United States. There's something going on there. I was all set. I was all set. And, you know, when I focus and we all focus, sometimes you do well and some people choke. I watched Minnie Mike choke when Minnie Mike was hit by a very mean woman. He said, get me off this stage. Just get me off. And, and that wasn't a pretty sight to be. But, but I was all set to take on Bernie. I was ready. And then all of a sudden I say, guess what? I went to the first lady who people love. They, I go into the first lady. And I said, I said, he just won Texas. He just won, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And by the way, so close. It was a whole different thing because of her. So now I'm ready for Bernie. And now all of a sudden I have a whole different, you know, it's a whole different deal. Two very different people. I think in a certain way, Bernie would be tougher because he's got a base. It's a much smaller base than my base. I think a lot of my people are here because, and I did nothing to do that, but we have a lot of support in Pennsylvania, and I think we have a lot of support everywhere. Look at the rallies. Look at the rallies. But I was all set. I was all set for Bernie. I was ready to go. And then I say, you know, I don't think I'm running against Bernie. I think it's going to be very hard for him to come back. I agree. We'll see. I agree. And he can thank Elizabeth Warren, who hurt him badly on Super Tuesday who hurt him badly on Super Tuesday. Because all these people came out, Mr. Producer, to vote for Elizabeth Warren's genitalia. Are you aware of this? Oh, yes. She put her genitalia front and center in this election. Did she not? And she said she's going to be talking about genitalia in the weeks, months, and years ahead. I can't wait for that. President went on. Cut three. Go. But even despite that, the country, we are having the greatest year we had last year was the greatest year we've ever had economically. And I think the way we unite is really through success. But when they hit us, we have to hit back. I feel that. I mean, there's two ways of doing it, turning your cheek. But I wouldn't be sitting up here if I turned my cheek. If I said, OK, let them just keep hitting at me and I won't do it. They're not interviewing me right now. They're interviewing somebody else. Maybe they won't even be doing that. Because if they don't get ratings, they don't interview anybody. That I've learned. (laughs) But you know what? Uh, You can't turn your cheek. I mean, we get hit. We get hit so hard. And we have a media that is, uh, you know, I say to a large extent, it's a part of the Democrat Party. It really is. It's terrible. You know, ladies and gentlemen, that comes right out of unfreedom of the press. This whole point where I coined the phrase Democrat Party Press, because that's what it is. And the president's exactly right. And the president was more right than people understand when he called it fake news. Because I told you about a man, a brilliant man, who wrote a book 50 years ago, actually 60 years ago, Daniel Borstein who would later become the director of the Library of Congress. He was a professor at University of Chicago, writing about pseudo-news and pseudo-events and pseudo-journalists. 
And the president terms it fake news and fake journalists. It's the same thing. And the president clearly was unaware of Borstein. The president was right on. He doesn't get the credit he deserves. So it is the Democrat Party press. If you don't believe me, read Unfreedom of the Press. You can just get it at the library. Chapter and verses, they say. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I've been talking a lot about the four pillars or purposes of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. We focus quite a bit on the first pillar of learning. But what about character? Learning the right things to the point where you truly know them is a rigorous business. It isn't possible without strong character. Hillsdale's great president, Larry Arnn, and his outstanding faculty at Hillsdale know that intellectual virtue is meaningless without moral virtue. That having knowledge doesn't mean much if you don't use what you know to serve the good, however possible. And here's an outstanding fact. Every entering freshman at Hillsdale signs an honor code that reads as follows. A Hillsdale College student is honorable in conduct, honest in word and deed, dutiful in study and service, and respectful of the rights of others. Through education, the student rises to self-government. Now, to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. We've got Schumer, and we've got Romney, and we've got other stuff. But I want to tell you about a country. About a country and how they handle elections. It's really quite shocking. In fact, Mr. Producer, how much time do I have right now? Okay, I have enough time to start now. A country that has elections. And then the parties that lose get together to depose the leader of the parties that win because of a Byzantine party process they have. And not only that, and not only that, They move these parties that lost to coalesce, to get together after the election to prevent the parties that won and the leader of that coalition from ever serving. After the election already took place and they lost. And on top of that, The criminal justice system, which is run by the left, seeks to put the individual who's head of the coalition that won in prison. This isn't Iran that I'm talking about. This isn't Saudi Arabia that I'm talking about. This isn't Cuba or Venezuela. A red China. It's Israel. It's Israel. 
I used to think of Israel as a democracy. They're not a republic. As a democracy. And yet it is transitioning. It's transforming. Into a tyranny. Right before our eyes. This is why I keep posting about it and talking about it. Because if I don't, nobody in this country will. It's shocking. Under the left-wing parties and the Arab parties, and under a, a Russian, I will call him a political oligarch, who hates Netanyahu, they're all coalescing to try and prevent Netanyahu from being prime minister by passing a a retroactive law that prevents him from putting together a government to serve as prime minister. That is tyranny. And meanwhile, they want to put him in prison. That's totalitarianism. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I just heard... You don't hear the same news necessarily in the network news that I listen to here. Not by choice. I'm compelled. And the reporting is that the House Democrats are going to appeal a decision by the D.C. Court of Appeals panel that ruled two to one that Don McGahn and people of that sort, whether or not they testify and have to honor subpoenas from, from a congressional committee, is none of the court's business. Let the political branches duke it out. The court can't get involved in these sorts of things, which is a smart decision. But then I heard that what the Democrats are going to argue, as they appeal to the full court, is that, well, then we have no ability to oversee the President of the United States and hold him accountable, they said, Mr. uh, Mr. Producer. Did they not impeach the President of the United States, Rich? Did they not have an impeachment trial? Did they not go forward without McGahn and Bolton and the rest of them? So, their own rogue activity demonstrates to any court that the arguments they're making are fallacious. That is, they still have the power of impeachment. They have the power of the purse. The Senate has the power to confirm or not to confirm. Congress has enormous power, which was a fear that Jefferson had, by the way. The tyranny of the legislature. And you can see it play out, much like the tyranny of the Knesset against Benjamin Netanyahu. I mean, they're out of control. Anyway, so that's the answer to the Democrats if the president's lawyers are listening on appeal. Their own conduct as unconstitutional and outrageous as it was demonstrates they don't have to exercise this authority in order to uh, address a president, rightly or wrongly. All right. We're going to have a magnificent Life, Liberty, and Levin on Sunday. And I say that every week because 
I don't know. To me, one interview is better than the next. Maybe because I get so excited about it and happy about it. Just one hour. That's all it is. And we're going to take on the New York Times and the left in this attack on our history. This 1619 project that America was founded in slavery because of this ship that had 20 to 30 slaves in 1619. And from there, it got worse, they argue. I'll tell you why this is important. Ladies and gentlemen, if we lose our history, we lose our future. The New York Times is everywhere. It's now in 3,000 3,000 school districts with this project. The Smithsonian Institute, the African American Museum in Washington, is pushing the New York Times project, the 1619 project. This will be treated as a fact if it's not confronted. And I've been confronting it, but I'm going to confront it Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. And unravel this. So I want to strongly encourage you and your family members to participate in this. Life, Liberty, and Levin is like no other show on television. Cable, network, satellite, doesn't matter. There's no show like it. We've carved out this little niche. It's become a Sunday night fixture. Sometimes we'll hit the news of the day, sometimes we won't. Sometimes I'll have guests who are familiar to you, sometimes we won't. And this Sunday I'm going to have a guest by the name of Robert Woodson. Wonderful gentleman, he's African American, he was involved in the Civil Rights Movement. But when the Civil Rights Movement turned left on affirmative action, on busing, on socialism, he left it. But he's been a force in this country, even though you've not heard of him, many of you. Some of you have, most of you haven't. Because the media ignore him. Television ignores him. And that's why I find people like this. I know people like this, and I want to bring them to your attention. That's why this show is different. The other shows, they have great guests. But you know who everyone is, and you know what they're pretty much going to say, because they said it the night before on another show. That's okay. I'm not against it, but it's not what I'm doing. We've carved out this niche. And Robert Woodson, Bob, an old friend of mine, Bob Woodson has started the 1776 Project. And he has pulled together a number of African-American scholars and activists and activists who are going to fight to counter this. It is inspiring It is crucial, and it's something I hope you'll you'll watch and participate in. Because this New York Times 1619 project is an attack on the country. It is dishonest. Numerous great historians. Well, let me give you an example. Five great historians, as an example, wrote a letter to the New York Times challenging this 1619 project in no uncertain terms. Two of them are Pulitzer Prize winners. 
You've probably heard of one James McPherson, brilliant man. So the New York Times is pushing this agenda in our classrooms, at the Smithsonian Institution, in our museums. And so the 1776 project pushes back. Over at the Heritage Foundation, the Daily Signal, Robert Bluey, a great guy, he also addresses this. He says, over the course of this week, the New York Post has published a series of op-eds attacking the 1619 Project, the controversial and erroneous history of America from the New York Times. The New York Post features an op-ed by David Bopp. David Bopp, president of the Bill of Rights Institute. And he recently spoke to the Daily Signal. He said, I've read the 1619 Project and went through the lesson plans. I was struck by one in particular. It was what's called erasure poetry. Erasure poetry. And it asked students to take the Declaration of Independence and to block out all the sections so that the remaining words would be the poem that they wanted to create themselves. Think of what that exercise treats and really trains the minds of our young people to say, that the Declaration is a document mainly to be obliterated. But it was the Declaration. It was the thing that gave Frederick Douglass the hope and realization that he was a person deserving of rights and dignity. The founders were not perfect. No, no human being is. And I think the remarkable thing that we need to impress upon young people is not that we had in the founding of the United States an answer and a kind of determination of everyone's rights in their fullness. We didn't. But we did lay down the marker. And we said that all human beings are created equal. And this, by the way, is a point that Abraham Lincoln made over and over and over again. And nobody, no other human being, did more to address slavery than Abraham Lincoln. No white man, no black man. No white woman, no black woman. Lincoln. The iconic Lincoln. And he repeatedly quoted from and pointed to the Declaration of Independence. Which the progressives attack all the time because it's our founding document. That was a marker as he points out, that both indicated some of the founders' own actions as slaveholders, indicted, I should say, some of the founders' own actions as slaveholders, and set a standard by which Americans in future generations could look to and try to aspire to. The 1619 Project gets none of that aspirational element. I think when you look at Alan Gualzo and Jim McPherson and James Oakes and Gordon Wood, these are all tremendous historians who reject the 1619 Project, and others that had come to criticize that and then be utterly dismissed by the editors of that project as irrelevant. Well, who anointed them as preeminent historians? That's been some of the response. He says, I think the debate that's ensued is a good one, and that's the kind of thing that I think students can actually enter into. And one of the people I just mentioned, Alan Gualzo, is a contributor to the Bill of Rights Institute's comprehensive history of the United States. We believe in viewpoint diversity, but what I lament about some of our publications, including the 1619 Project, is there's not even a pretense of viewpoint diversity. It's just saying this is it, 
And unfortunately, it can amount to a conspiracy theory. And that's the thing we see in Howard Zinn. Where here's history in a box. Here's the people who did all the wrong, and we're going to blame them. Here's the people who do all the right. And in fact, that's not the way history works. And so, with my limited time on Earth, my limited time with these various media platforms, and I'm blessed to have them thanks to you. If I didn't have you, I wouldn't have any of them. I push back. Remember what I said. I'm on a mission. Whether it's on radio, Levin TV, Life, Liberty, and Levin are my books. I'm on a mission to preserve this republic as founded. To defend our Constitution and reinstitute it as written. To advance the principles in the Declaration of Independence as fought for. I stand here for the individual, the civil society, and all that comes with it. I'm not just here mouthing off. And so I hope you'll check out Life, Liberty, and Levin. Look, I could bring on a conga line of guests and do the thing, but I don't want to do it. I have no interest in it. We will have an extremely thoughtful, and I think you'll find compelling program as we take on the New York Times and the 1619 Project in defense of American history and in defense of Americans and you. That's the bottom line. And in the future, I'm going to do a program I decided on the New York Times, exclusively on the New York Times. Because it deserves... It deserves to have a light focused directly on it. What it did in 1932 and 33 in support of Stalin and pushed Stalin's propaganda as he was slaughtering the Ukrainians. And I will shine a light, as I did, in Unfreedom of the Press on that issue. And of course, I will shine a light on the New York Times And it's cover-up of the Holocaust. This is supposed to be the, the gold standard of the media. Well, so be it. Then let's take a good, close look at it. So Sunday's program is a big deal. And as I say, even though I have three more years on a contract to do this show with Fox, if I find that you're not interested in it, you're not watching it, or I cease to be interested in it, I'm going to leave and do something else. But so far, you seem to be wildly interested in it, and I appreciate it. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? 
Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. You know, as I, I watch this coronavirus coverage on television during the breaks, it would be strange indeed, wouldn't it, if we were the only country that didn't have the coronavirus? I mean, how is that even possible? It's a virus. With people on boats, people on planes, people traveling south, traveling north. All kinds of interaction. It's a mobile society. How could we not get the coronavirus? The issue is how you limit it, how you treat it. But of course, the coronavirus is going to spread. It's going to spread in this country the way the flu does. I'm often amazed at what people think the government can actually do. It can do things on the margins. And the president and the vice president are breaking their backs to try and deal with this as best they can. Of course, it leaves open an opportunity for the demagogues to try and exploit these sort of things. Because that's what they do. They can't control themselves. Or they don't want to control themselves. I mean, this is a country that's the greatest country on the face of the earth. But it's a country of human beings. Over and over in my head, as an example, I shouldn't even share this with you, but I'm going to share it with you. Over and over in my head, I think of the last few months with my father, my mother too, but my father right now. Really, he died in three months. And he had had cancer in his kidney, but it was treated by a great doctor twice. But apparently it came back at some point with a vengeance. Every cutting-edge treatment that was imaginable, that could be used, was used. This immune therapy, or whatever it's called, where cells are increased and empowered to kill the cancer cells, and a certain percentage of the cases those cells actually turn on the good cells and kill the good cells too. That's what happened to him. There was also radiation treatments, again, cutting edge, pinpointed specifically to certain tumors. But it wound up breaking his bones. We did everything we could. Everything we could. Everything that man came up with and finally I said to him the day before he went into hospice do you want to keep fighting dad he said no I'm done can't walk can't kiss your mother can't function I'm in terrible pain, and I'm done. 
Should I blame the government for that? You don't blame anybody for that. It's a horrible, horrible thing. You wonder and you're over and over again. There's something else that could have been done that should have been done. But sometimes <clears throat> there's just nothing else you can do. They've told you what to do. Wash your hands, stay clean, try to stay away from crowds. And that's what you do. That's what you do. It's not the president's fault. It's not because somebody didn't react fast. It's a virus. Even though we live in a nation with oceans on both coasts, it's a virus. People are going to get sick. I'll be right back. Mark Levin doesn't just read the news, he makes the news. Call the Mark Levin Show now at 877-381-3811. You know, it's shocking that your home can be stolen this easily. That's the brutal lesson Deborah learned when thieves found her home's title online, forged it, and literally took ownership of her home. In an instant, thieves legally owned Deborah's home. She got evicted and spent a fortune in legal fees trying to get it back. The FBI calls home title fraud one of the fastest-growing crimes. And you don't want to be next. And that's why I urge you to protect the online title to your home with Home Title Lock. The legal documents to our homes are kept online where thieves hunt them. They forge the documents stating you sold your home. Then they borrow against your home and stick you with the payments. No insurance or bank protects you. Home Title Lock does. You could already be a victim of title fraud and not even know it. I think you should find out. Here's how you do it. Register your home at HomeTitleLock.com. Enter Mark and you'll get one month of free protection. Enter Mark for one month of free protection. Go HomeTitleLock.com. Enter Mark. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Enter Mark. You know, it's funny. My mother and father, <clears throat> when they could, would call me after every radio show. And then my mother got very ill, and then my father would. And uh, you, it's no secret. I mean, I supported Ted Cruz in the Republican primary. But when it was over, I supported the president, Donald Trump. And my goal was not to sabotage any of these candidates. I wanted us to win. <clears throat> And I remember him saying to me, my mother did too, why are you being so hard on Trump? Did I tell you, you remember this, Mr. Producer? Why are you being so hard on Trump? Why don't you get off his back? And he really caused me to think about that. And I said to him, you know what? And my mother and father, you're right. You're right. He for us, was the first to see Trump as Trump, if you know what I'm saying. He was the first one. And my mother, too. Now, these are two people, Jewish, in 1964. They didn't have two nickels to rub together. And they lived in a, a basement apartment in Philadelphia. One room. 
in Philadelphia as they were trying to start their careers. I mean, before that, what I'm just saying, in 1964, again, before 1964, I'm talking about, but in 1964, they voted for Barry Gore. Now, I mean, pretty unusual, right? Jewish, Republican, voted for Barry Goldwater, and Barry Goldwater got slaughtered at the polls. And I've told you this, but when I said to my father, why did you and mom vote for Barry Goldwater? I'm just curious. And he said, I knew that S, (coughs) excuse me, I knew that S, you know what, I knew that S they were saying about Goldwater couldn't be true, so I voted for him. Which is kind of the way he was talking about Trump. Get off the guy's back. The hell. And he was right. I've told the president this story too. I think I've said it on radio and TV a couple of times. It's true. You know, there's a lot of wisdom in our parents and grandparents. A whole lot of wisdom, as a matter of fact. We have uh, Donald Trump at the White House today. Commenting on <laughs> Elizabeth Warren. Cut six, go. Do you think sexism was a factor in Elizabeth Warren pulling um, out? And do you believe you will see a female president? So the reporter's asking, do you think sexism was a factor in Elizabeth Warren pulling out? And do you think you will see a female president in your lifetime? First of all, what kind of question is that? What kind of question is that? We'll see a female president in our lifetime if they win the nomination and win the presidency. You know, this isn't about affirmative action, ladies and gentlemen, where we go down the list of women, minorities, white people, tall, short, fat, skinny. That's not what this is about. I know we have affirmative action now in our colleges and, and in the workplace and so forth. But still, we get the vote. We get the vote. And it's a complete turnoff for me when I have, they hear these candidates who are senators, governors, who've won these big jobs, complain like they've been held down as janitors or they're working the fryer at McDonald's. Yes, yes, I wanted to be president, but they didn't vote for me because of my genitalia. It's nothing to do with that. Conservatives, at least, are more than happy to vote for conservative women. We were celebrating Margaret Thatcher. She wasn't even our prime minister. Where were the liberals in this country? They hated her guts. Sarah Palin. Sarah Palin's terrific. They hated her guts. If the president nominates somebody for an opening on the Supreme Court, should one open up? And she's a a constitutionalist, a woman, Do you think they're all of a sudden going to say, hey, it's a woman. Let's support her genitalia. No, they're not going to say that, are they? What they really mean is left-wing women. What they really mean is left-wing African-Americans, left-wing Latinxes. That's what they mean. And you're against us. You're damn right we are. Because of what's between your ears. Not your legs and not your skin or anything else. So this stupid question is put to the president. Cut six, go. 
No, I think lack of talent was her problem. She had a tremendous lack of talent. She was a good debater. Uh, she destroyed Mike Bloomberg very quickly, like it was nothing. That was easy for her. But people don't like her. She's a very mean person, and people don't like her. People don't want that. They're like a person like me that's not mean. <laughs> I love it. He is. He is. I, I just can't tell you how much I appreciate that man. I really can't. Now, Zerlina Maxwell, whoever the hell that is. But she must be important because she's on MSNBC. And Chris Matthews isn't. So she must be very important. Zerlina Maxwell is on MSLSD today. I wonder what she had to contribute. Cut seven, go. President Trump talked about that this morning. He was asked about Elizabeth Warren and whether sexism was a factor in, in her not being the race. He said, no, he said lack of talent. And then he said, but people don't like her. She's a mean person. Julina, how do you read that? Well, I mean, it's sexist. Um, oh, it's sexist. Zerlina. Zerlina should have a primetime slot on MSNBC. It's sexist, ladies and gentlemen. The fact is, Elizabeth Warren is a knucklehead. Well, Mark, she went to Harvard, yes, as a Native American. Go ahead. The only reason he's saying that is because he knows he's talking to an audience um, that has lived in a sexist society. And Shut up, of- you idiot. I don't want to hear your crap anymore. Sexist society, sexist, sexist, and genitalia. Gen- I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. This MSLSD keeps pushing this crap out into the uh, into the public square. Zerlina Maxwell, whoever the hell that is. I guess I'm being sexist. I think you're attacking Trump because you're sexist. That's right. I think you're attacking Trump because you're sexist. What do you think of that, you idiot? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Let's go to the next cut, Mr. Producer. Go ahead. I think that a lot of women around this is Ra- country- This is Rachel Madcow. Go ahead. I think that a lot of women around the country right now feel differently about you dropping out, whether or not they were supporting Now, she's you talking to-, to Elizabeth Warren, and, of course, she represents a lot of women around the country. How does she, how does she represent a lot of women around the country? She just claims that mantle. She doesn't represent any of the women I know. Go ahead. President, you leaving the race feels different. If, if Hillary Clinton can't win when she gets the nomination, and then you can't get the nomination, and neither can Kamala Harris, and neither can Amy Klobuchar, and neither can Kirsten Gillibrand. I mean, I think part of what's going on today is that women around the country are like, Okay, honestly, you know, if it's not if it's not going to be any of them, let's get real. Is it just is it just that it can't be any woman ever? Are we this just is gonna- amazing to me because we all know that one day there will be a woman president. I don't want any of those women as president. Period. Exclamation mark. But what's amazing to me here is a majority of the women voting in the Democrat Party. Excuse me, a majority of the people voting in the Democrat Party are women. And they're not voting for these women. Do they realize they're condemning Democrat women who are not coalescing around any 
woman who's running for president in their Democrat primaries or caucuses? Do they realize this? You and I, we have nothing to do with this. This isn't a general election. Nothing. And what do they mean in this country? Will this country ever do this or country ever do that? It's a Democrat primary process. The fight is with them and among them, not with you and me. Not with you and me. We will back a conservative woman any day of the week for the highest positions in the country. So they didn't really set this right. The largest voting bloc in the Democrat Party is women. And yet all these women running and they're all rejected. You want to know why? They all stink. That's why they're lousy. They're lousy. And I think the Democrats voting made a good decision. What do you think of that? The truth is the whole lineup of the Democrat Party that was running all week. Kirsten Gillibrand, Kamala Harris, Amy Klobuchar. There's no gold of my ear here. Or whatever, Thatcher or anything of this sort. They're all lightweights. They've accomplished, what the hell have they accomplished, as a matter of fact? Never heard of them before, most of you. And we all heard of Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton gets elected to the Senate. She moves from Arkansas, basically, to New York. Frankly, and I'll say it, on her husband's name. She gets to be Secretary of State. She gets the nomination. She runs for president. She loses. She didn't get the nomination when Obama blocked her. She loses. Not because she's a woman, because she's Hillary Clinton. She's deeply uh, despised. And to hear this crap. But by the way, they're just condemning themselves, liberal women in the Democrat Party. But now look what they're left with. Two old turds. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Mr. Producer, let's do this on the fly. I just saw this. The Community Foundation of Middle Tennessee has a website. Community Foundation of Middle Tennessee. Can we link to that on Mark Levin Show Twitter, Mark Levin Show Facebook? And I want to encourage you Levinites out there to donate to this organization, which is building a fund to help the people who have suffered through this hurricane, excuse me, tornado. And so uh, a few bucks, or as much as you can give, I'm sure will be very much appreciated. Um, It's the Community Foundation of Middle Tennessee. We will have a link there. Your contribution is tax deductible as I read this. And uh, this is nonpartisan. It's nonpolitical. And they're in this, excuse me, Uh, to help the people who've suffered as a result of this tornado. And this has been a horrific tornado. In fact, they have a specific uh, link if you go to their their site. So I want to strongly encourage all you Levinites out there, you know, we don't need the government to tell us what to do. We do it out of our own hearts and our own souls. 
And what will pop up is a tornado relief uh, page. And they say, in the wake of destructive tornadoes, power outages, road closures, rescues throughout Davidson and surrounding counties, the Community Foundation of Middle Tennessee has activated the Middle Tennessee Emergency Response Fund to support the affected communities and nonprofits helping victims address their ongoing needs. So it is a uh, nonprofit foundation, non-governmental foundation. So I want to strongly encourage you again. If you want my social site, you'll see it. It's the Community Foundation of Middle Tennessee dot org. CFMT.org. CFMT.org. As I say, it's tax deductible. A donation. They can use it now. If you're going to do it, please, let's do it now. Let's see if we can raise as much money as possible to help these people. They They are our fellow citizens. And they are in dire need. They've lost family members. They've lost their homes. And they have lost everything. When you see these pictures, it's a horrendous, horrendous situation. So... You are always so generous. I'm blessed to have you as my audience. And this is another time where we need to dig deep and jump in. I've been talking a lot about the four pillars or purposes of the Hillsdale College mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. And we have focused quite a bit on the first pillar of learning. But what about character? Learning the right things to to the point where you truly know them is a rigorous business. It is impossible without strong character. Hillsdale's great president, Larry Arn, wonderful friend, and his outstanding faculty at Hillsdale know the intellectual virtue is meaningless without moral virtue. That having knowledge doesn't mean much if you don't use what you know to serve the good, however possible. And here's an outstanding fact. Every entering freshman at Hillsdale signs an honor code that reads, quote, a Hillsdale College student is honorable in conduct, honest in word and deed, dutiful in study and service, and respectful the rights of others. And through education, the student rises to self-government, unquote. To learn more, and I strongly encourage you to do that, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levinforhillsdale.com. Hillsdale College. 175 years of learning, character, faith, and freedom. What a fantastic school it is. Hillsdale College, you really should check it out. It doesn't cost you anything to check. Again, we Levinites are joining together to help those who are suffering terribly as a result of this really incredibly horrific hurricane. It's already posted now. And Mark Levin Facebook, Mark Levin Show Facebook, excuse me, Mark Levin, <coughs> excuse me, Mark, Mark Levin Show Twitter. Please go there. I get nothing out of this, except I feel good that we in this community, the Levin community, is lending a helping hand as best we can. So the CFMT.org, CFMT.org, Community Foundation. For MiddleTennessee.org. I saw John Rich promote it. I saw Martha McCullum promote it. So I want to promote it. And I want to encourage you, while you're listening to me, to jump in and participate. I'll be right back. 
from the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Before I move on, I want you to listen to this individual and ask yourself if he's mentally ill. Cut 12. Cut 12, Mr. Producer. Go. And yet governments, uh, including our own, I would say especially our own, other than China, are, are, are responding in a clumsy, ham-fisted way. And unfortunately, just as you had with China at the beginning of this uh, outbreak, you have the president of the United States who is actually spreading disinformation, trying to tell everybody there's nothing to worry about, telling people to go back to work if they want to. That, that His words, go back to work while you have the coronavirus. That is that that is the quickest way to turn this epidemic into a pandemic the president of the united states also this week saying that it's going to just go away magically uh you, you a miracle uh, it's going to be a miracle you just look at all of his statements and it's almost as if Donald Trump is actively working to tank the stock market. It keeps collapsing for a reason. It's collapsing because airline officials are panicked. They're going to the president of the United States talking about possibly the worst drop uh, that they've ever had in business. It rivals and may actually end up being far worse than what happened on 9-11. Have you ever heard of anything like this? Rambling incoherently, trying to connect dots that don't exist. Joe Scarborough is unpatriotic and un-American. He takes this, this, you know, event. He takes this virus. And he doesn't care about the public. He doesn't care about his audience. He doesn't care about his fellow human beings. It's just another opportunity to string together a bunch of incoherent statements against the president of the United States. And it used to be, it used to be, I know those of you who are, who are young out there, that newsrooms would police themselves. That somebody, Joe Scarborough, would be sent packing. That he'd be uh, giving out the, uh, the green beans at a cafeteria with a net on his head. But instead, listen to this. Absolute nut job. He just won't give it up. He just can't stop himself. That we're handling, handling this clumsily. You see, ladies and gentlemen, the best the president or vice president can do is sort of manage it, focus it, 
oversee it like good executives. They're not scientists. They're not medical professionals. They have to rely on the CDC. They have to rely on the NIH. They have to rely on their advice. They're the ones who put the test kits together, not the president and the vice president. They have to make big decisions like whether people can come on shore, if they have to stay on these cruise ships and things like that. But when he says it's been handled clumsily, he's attacking the CDC. He's attacking the NIH, HHS. He's attacking not the president, not the vice president. He's attacking the professionals. Now, maybe that's what he wants to do, but I don't think that's his intent. He says this is handled clumsily. I don't know what that means, handled clumsily. I don't know what else a president can do or a vice president can do. They're doing everything they can. This is why I, I made the statement. 40, 45 minutes ago. I probably shouldn't have talked about such personal things, but I did. You can lash out and blame government. If you're a real sleazeball like Scarborough and Mika, you can can use it as an opportunity to lash out against the President of the United States. But the fact of the matter is they haven't done anything to cause this. And they're doing everything they can, humanly possible, to try to contain it and limit it. But it's a virus. It's a virus. You can't stop it. You can try and, and control it. You can try and cut the odds in your own lives and so forth. But it's a virus. People don't say, stop the flu, stop the flu. It's been handled clumsily. Anyway, I I just, the level of of, of stupidity that is brought to the nation each and every day by the Chuck Todds and the George Stephanopoulos and the Joe Scarboroughs And one newsroom after another is really unbelievable. Just looking for opportunities to attack the president in the middle of of this virus situation. Mr. Producer, I want you to tell me the truth. Do you remember me attacking Obama in the middle of any of these sorts of things? I don't remember doing that. Do you? I, I didn't. I might say things like secure the border. Don't let people in here who might have these various diseases and so forth. But day in and day out to attack the president? It's like Schumer the other day, literally threatening two Supreme Court justices. And the media have to keep bringing up Donald Trump's name, like Donald Trump has threatened Supreme Court justices. No, he hasn't, which is exactly why they don't quote him. He was critical of the Supreme Court justices. He encouraged them to recuse themselves. That's perfectly legitimate speech. That's not a threat, which is exactly why they don't play or state what the president actually said. It's like the phone call with the Ukrainian president. They'd rather spin it and characterize it to create a narrative than just tell you what he said. Now, Schumer, in my view, should be disbarred. Schumer, in my view, should be punished by the Senate Ethics Committee. Schumer, in my view, should be censured. He must not get away with this. Now, we have a piece in the Washington Times. More than a dozen Republican senators 
have moved to center Chuck Schumer. And I'm reading a dozen. Why aren't there 53? 53. You know what's amazing? If Ted Cruz had said this about the, le- the left-wing justices on the Supreme Court, you'd have more than 12 Republican senators joining the Democrats to censure Ted Cruz. You'd have Romney, Collins, Murkowski, etc., etc. So who are these senators? And where are the others? That was my question. So let's take a look at who they are. If I can find them. Here they are. Joining uh, Senator Hawley, Mike Braun of Illinois, uh, excuse me, Mike Braun of Indiana, Rick Scott of Florida. I might add, Marco Rubio's not added. I don't know where the hell he is today. I think he's positioning himself for after the uh, Trump presidency to run for president again. I think that's the genius advice he's getting from his chief of staff, among others. He's laying low. Excuse me. He's lying low. And notice, he doesn't really defend the president much. He really doesn't get into this stuff much. He's above it all. So he's trying to plow a uh, path for himself. I, I, I can see it. I can smell it. So who else is joining in this century resolution? Braun of Indiana, Rick Scott of Florida, Steve Daines of Montana, Tom Tillis of North Carolina, Kevin Kramer of North Dakota, Joni Erst of Iowa, Ben Sass of Nebraska, Kelly Loeffler of Georgia, I don't trust her, Ted Cruz of Texas, David Perdue of Georgia, Mike Lee of Utah, Jim Inhofe of Oklahoma, Tom, excuse me, Tim Scott of South Carolina, and Martha McSally of Arizona. Where's Rand Paul? I'd like Tom Cotton to join that group too. Maybe he will. I'm a big fan of his. I hope he does. Because the Senate needs to protect the Senate from people like Chuck Schumer. Just as the Senate needed to protect the Constitution and the Senate from people like Adam Schiff and the rogue Democrats in the House of Representatives. But Chuck Schumer needs to be punished. Now, Landmark Legal Foundation filed the ethics complaint with the Senate Ethics Committee. And the National Public, uh, Pete Flaherty's group, also filed with the Bar Association, his organization. Good man. But it shouldn't be left to Landmark Legal and Pete Flaherty and others. The Senate needs to take care of the Senate. The Senate Ethics Committee needs to take care of the ethics. I have no hope, none whatsoever, on the criminal side that action will be taken. And those who are saying that, uh, that Schumer's protected and so forth really have no idea what they're talking about for the 4,000th time. For the 4,000th time. So ask yourselves, if you have a Republican senator from your state, why haven't they signed on to this? Where's Thune? Where's Lamar Alexander? I can't remember all their names. <clears throat> But there's 41 Republican senators who haven't signed up yet. 41. Where are they? It's really quite shocking to me. What is it about the Schumer that scares them? I'll be right back. Mark 
AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Well, now we know why Mark Meadows is not running for re-election. The president just appointed him his chief of staff at the White House. president tweeted as follows. I'm pleased to announce that Congressman Mark Meadows will become White House chief of staff. I've long known and worked with Mark, and the relationship is a very good one. I want to thank acting chief Mick Mulvaney, for having served the administration so well. He will become the United States Special Envoy for Northern Ireland. Thank you. Is he punishing him or something? I have nothing against Northern Ireland. That's not my point. But is that something somebody wants to be, Mr. Producer? No, Special Envoy to Bermuda. I would take that in two seconds. Two seconds. I want to be the Special Envoy to Bermuda. But nothing's going on there. Exactly. All these guys walking around in Bermuda shorts. That's the only place where I wear the clothes I wear and I would look hip. You know that, Mr. Producer? It's a great place. I've only been there once. I'd like to go there again. They have a council general there from the United States. I'd like that job. Since I never get confirmed for dog catcher, maybe I would be like the acting council general, Mr. Producer. You think I can do that? Oh, man. That'd be a killer job. But anyway, Mark Meadows is the new chief of staff to the president. Really, I'm not surprised. He's giving up his congressional seat. He was a little coy about it when I would say, what what are you going to do? Well, I still want to be active. Well, I guess so. And Mick Mulvaney is sent off to Never Never Land, apparently. <laughs> I will say this. Once you're done serving this administration, you're really done. Do you know what I mean, Mr. Producer? You're done. So to speak, may I say, with all due respect, yes, I will. Do we have a uh, liberal caller or a superb American calling, Mr. Producer? The liberal hung up. Is that his name? Oh, do we have a conservative? Ned, WTAQ country, Wisconsin, go! Ned? Nedless, are you there? Can you lower your radio? I hear his radio. Do we have anybody else? 
We're getting all this fixed next week, ladies and gentlemen. I'll have the board right up there in front of me on my computer. So they tell me. Brian, the great WMAO. How are you, Brian? I'm doing well, Denali. How are you tonight? Very well. Thank you, sir. Well, I was going to talk about a couple of different things that you were talking about, but you know, I've been inspired. Uh, listening to everybody just talking about the need to censure Chuck Schumer and all that. And uh, I just want to say, um, first and foremost, I'll be there tomorrow, front and center in the third row, me and another Levinite. Oh, WPHT country. That is correct. We are. Oh, going we're going to have a blast tomorrow. Thank you. You're going to be in the middle section of row three so we will be there together just and, yell um, out mark i'm over here and then i'll know it's yeah, you. <laughs> you'll you'll see us he uh yes. it was the guy who wore the hillary for prison t-shirt <laughs> okay. at the book signing he was right behind me when i signed for unfreedom of the press so we're having people but come from all over the place to this event people are coming from everywhere and he's actually going to be coming you know talk about how the Benites are family uh we Struck up a very good friendship. Pretty close. He's coming. He's going to stay in my house tonight, and we're going to come up there tomorrow because he lives uh, on the other side of Pennsylvania. Wonderful. And uh, we're going to come up and see you. But you Look know, we both are are so focused on the liberty, the the tyranny that is coming from the Democrats, mm-hmm. and we really, you know, everybody, every one of us appreciates all of us Livingites appreciates you putting out there exactly what is happening. And I just want to give everybody a little bit of encouragement that I talk to a lot of people out and about in the world. You know, I'm a retired fireman, so I kind of have this talking thing about, you know, I just talk to people and get to know them or whatever. <clears throat> and I, I really feel that there is a very silent undertow going on with us, people that, that relate to us, think like us and uh, you know you always got to fight like you're behind Mm -hmm. but i really think that this election is going to be super special and it's going to be something akin to 1984 i hope we we not only have to win you're right we need to win in a landslide there won't there will never be another 1984 it can't because of the demographics but it doesn't have to be another 1984 we can still win in a landslide and you're right that's what we need to do we need to crush our opponents and I look forward to seeing you, buddy. I look forward we'll to seeing there. you tomorrow. We'll All right. God bless you. And if afterwards, cheesesteaks are on us if you want to go out. <laughs> well, that might be tough. But God bless you, my friend. Brent, Los Angeles, California, 870 AM, the great KRLA, where we are live and national. Go. Hello, the great By one. By the way, before I say anything else, my dear friend Ben Shapiro and his lovely wife just had a little girl, right, Mr. Producer? So my family, Julie and I and our kids, want to wish the Shapiros all the best health. That is just a beautiful, wonderful thing for the Shapiro family. God bless them. Go right ahead. Oh, let me then start off with Mazel Tov to Ben Shapiro. Amen. That's beautiful. And I am I, I'm calling in because I'm so thrilled and happy that you're going against this fraudulent 1619, what I call the Progressive Propaganda Project. I think it's going to really set off some repercussions and explosions in the educational field because you're hitting right at the core of the complete frauds of Marxist history, mm-hmm. which is something that is their history, but the history of history is to be propaganda. You're, you're so right. 
I want you to really watch this show on Sunday and spread the word. That's what I want. That's why I'm doing this show. It's to counter the New York Times and the 1619 Project with the great Bob Woodson. Thank you, my friend. We'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. If you want to talk to Mark, we have two numbers for you to call. For regular Americans, call 877-381-3811. For liberals, call 877-381-3811. I see Bernie Sanders is doing a town hall meeting with uh, Brett and uh, Martha, Martha, Mr. Producer. That's not fair. I've been asking him to come on my program over and over again. Why won't he come on any of my shows, Mr. Producer? Would you do me a favor? Would you circle back and ask him if he'll come on the radio show? He'll be treated civilly. He'll have an opportunity to speak. We'd love to have him. Not that I'm unfair and unbalanced, of course. I would love to have him. Kathy, Scranton, Pennsylvania, the great WTRW. Go! Hi, yes. Last night we had um, our president here in Scranton. At the mm-hmm. Cultural Center, and he did a town hall with Brett Beer. And also, I wanted to comment on about women. He hired Nikki Haley to be our UN ambassador. Mm-hmm. He hired Gina Haspel to be our CIA director. So our president loves women, puts them in high places, and he doesn't have no bias against women. He just can see the phoniness. That Elizabeth Warren is. I mean, how, you, you're so. How stupid is this that we're even having this discussion? That because Elizabeth Warren's not the nominee of the Democrat Party, the nation's against women? How stupid is this? I know it is stupid because she's so phony. She's a liar. She took away a job of an American Indian to work at the Harvard School as yep. a professor by claiming she's American Indian. Yes. And the, and the, but, but, but listen to how two-faced the leftist women are. On the one hand, they say, treat us equally like men. Same playing field. Okay. Then she loses while well, I lost because I'm a woman. Right. She's a, she's a phony. And, and the, our president sees it. He's a wonderful president. I love our president. I'm glad he came Can I ask you a question? You're from Scranton. You know, I'm from Pennsylvania. You're from Scranton. Other than when he wants to run for president, which is now his third time, does Joe Biden ever go to Scranton? 
No, only to get votes once in a while. And he was only here until he was 10 years old. That's it. We don't know him. He has no connection to Scranton. We don't know him. No, of course not. By the way, they don't even know him in Wilmington. <laughs> Goes by 14 different names, the guys, roaming around on the streets. Oops. All right, my friend. Good call. I appreciate it. All right, here. Let's see. What the hell did I do with the phone list? Hold on, everybody. I got it right here. <clears throat> How about Jason, Fresno, California, the great KMJ? Go. Good evening, Mark. Uh, I'm concerned with the Republican Party. Earlier you said that they were lurching left. That's something that I think has been going on with the Republicans for 40 years. Mm-hmm. Well, you're right. To, to the point of uh, why is there only, what did you say, 12 senators on this list for censorship? So far, as of the uh, date of the art, as the time of the article earlier today, 12 Republican senators who've agreed to vote to censure uh, Chuck Schumer. That's it. So, to me, to my mind, and I know it's a pipe dream, there should be 99 names on that list. Well, listen, you're not going to get the Democrats, but why don't you get 53 Republicans? Yeah, well, I mean, the, yes, I understand. I'm not going to... I'm not going to get the Democrats, but they should be the first ones to say, hey, whoa, whoa, you're killing us here. Yeah, well, they're not. But uh, the Republicans, <laughs> it's inexcusable. All right, my friend. Thank you for your call. Mitt Romney. Yes, Mitt Romney. Lindsey Graham says he wants to hold a hearing on Barisma and Hunter Biden. And so they're subpoenaing Hunter or documents or whatever the hell they're subpoenaing and Romney actually supported it today. Everybody sits on the edge of their chair and holds their breath. What's Mitt going to do? What's Mitt going to do? And this is what Mitt wants. Mitt is sort of the Susan Collins of Utah, if you will. And I have to say, even though I'm friendly with him when I see him, I'm, I'm getting more and more disappointed in Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham will not support censoring Schumer because of this absurd argument. He says, we do that, they'll go after the president. Uh, Lindsay, they impeached the president and had an impeachment trial. Were you awake during any of this? They'll go after the president. They'll do whatever they do. But the fact of the matter is, Schumer needs to be punished. And you choose not to do it. And you talk all the time on Fox and elsewhere how tough you're going to be. And and I don't see it. Just me. Just me. And now you're, you're knee-jerking again on immigration, which is unacceptable to me but here's Mitt Romney on Capitol Hill today about holding hearings on uh, Burisma and Hunter Biden and so forth in response to CNN's Manu Raju and remember Mitt Romney has a close working relationship with these various news outlets where he gave an exclusive interview before he voted he literally voted to remove Donald Trump from the presidency what a what a schmo go ahead do you have concerns about the appearance of this investigation that this committee is launching uh, into Burisma? No, no this, is, this, this is this this Manu Raju, used to work at Politico. He's a leftist. McSally was absolutely right about him. Just the nature of the question. He's not concerned about the issues related to Burisma and Hunter Biden. Do you have any concerns that the appearance of this investigation is related to Burisma? Really sickening. But go ahead. Subpoena that, the, that Senator Johnson wants to issue for documents related to Burisma. Are you concerned about the appearance in any way? 
There's no question but that the appearance of looking into Burisma and Hunter Biden uh, appears political. And I think people are tired of these uh, these kind of political uh, investigations and would hope that if there's something of significance that needs to be evaluated, that it would be done by perhaps the FBI or some other agency uh, that's not as political as perhaps a, a committee of our uh, of our body. Uh, we also have a lot of work to do um, on matters that are not related to Burisma. We probably ought to focus on those things. But I'm going to get the chance today to talk to the chairman uh, and get his perspective, see what information he has, and see whether there's something that might be helpful to, to clarify exactly what has happened in the past and put this behind us. Well, if you're going to put it behind you before it even starts, then it doesn't sound like you're very serious uh, there. Mitt, may I call you Mitt? Mitt did interviews with the Washington Post, with CNN. Mitt won't come on this show. Well, what does that tell you? It's pretty funny, don't you think? Never wanted to come on. I don't think he's ever been on the show, has he, Rich? Even when he was running for president, he didn't want to come on the show. Even when he was a severe conservative, he didn't want to come on the show. He's more of a seer. Uh, no, run. So anyway, um, does it sound like he's enthusiastic about looking into this? No, it doesn't. I mean... He says, people are sick of political investigation. Isn't this the guy that wanted to have witnesses during the Senate impeachment trial? Answer is yes. Mitt Romney's a fraud. I don't know if he intends to be a one-term senator from Utah. I don't know what he intends. But it is enormously troubling, isn't it? Let us go to Albert. Oops. Michelle. Sorry, Tampa, Florida, the great WFLA. Go. Yes, thank you, Mark. Yes, Michelle. It's such a, a pleasure and honor. I have so much to say to you, but I want to say to you that I get all of my news from you and Rush Limbaugh. You're it. I don't That's read any good. papers. I don't turn on the TV. You two are it. And I walk my dog every night and with it, <laughs> you on as loud as I can. And my, some of my neighbors have actually asked me, what are you playing? Huh, and I tell funny. them. Sound like my mother-in-law, Sylvia. She, she'll go a into a supermarket, and she turns up the transistor radio. Go ahead. Yeah. Thank so, you. You know, and, and, and I want you to know that I And by the way, let me, may I just say this, that you mentioned it? Getting your news from Rush Limbaugh is a good thing. The no. great Rush Limbaugh, because, you know, despite the attacks on him, he really puts the news out there in a big way where a lot of people do not. So that's a good thing. And I like it because he brings news from a different com- perspective than you do. He's a but genius. He knows those Democrats so well. The yep. thing that I love about you Uh-oh. is you know the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence and the history of our country and, that, and, and the way Washington works like the back of your hand. Thank and you. I love that, and I need to hear that. And well, thank so I you. I get all my news from you guys, yeah. You're a sweetheart. Uh, I appreciate that. Michelle, don't get mad. i got to break off. Thank you for your call. We'll be right back. Mark in. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, And I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. 
More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Friday, yes. Friday? You know what other song comes up on Friday? Oh, yeah. God Bless America, which we'll get to in a second. All right. What a week, huh? A lot of weeks to come. This is the place to be right here on Levin Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, every week, every Friday, in honor of you...
right, the week is officially over. The weekend begins now, and I'll see you, Philly. See you tomorrow. Don't forget Life, Liberty, and Levin, Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern. Very important show. Please join us. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, all you folks who defend us. Thank you. Good night, Spritey. Good night, Griffey. Good night, Pepsi. Good night, Smokey. Good night, Zelda. And good night, Gigi. I will see you all on Sunday. I'll see you in the radio on Monday. Good night, Dad. Good night, Mom. And good night, Leo. God bless you all. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.